0: than you're thinking they've been just how good they've been and just how important the prospects that the reds are sending to arizona is what we are all about on today's locked on reds
1: you are locked on reds your daily
0: cincinnati reds podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day You are locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Steven Offenbaker. He'll be along later as we're talking with Tom Nichols, but we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into this team or of this team into information For you, Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's episode, we are going to look at a win against the Boston Red Sox that makes the Reds ten and six against the American League East this season. Plus we're going to dive back into our conversation with tom nichols we talk about the arizona folly guys who are being sent out there including Noel V. Marte and matt mcclain and what it is they're going to be working on when they're in arizona today's episode though is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts and where we start today is with the reds pitching and Yes, all season long, we have been talking about Hunter Green, Nicoladolo, Graham Ashcraft, and to a lesser extent, but just as excited, Alexis Diaz. And rightfully so. Those guys have been amazing. But there's a part of this team that when you look at them on the roster, they're not exciting. And, and to a large part, the numbers of Chase Anderson really don't stand out to you. But let me tell you this. His last three starts, pretty much since the calendar's turned to September, have been phenomenal. If you have not seen chase Anderson pitch, I'm not saying that he's appointment viewing, but he's not the kind of guy that when you see him as the probable starter, you're like, Oh boy, here goes another bad one because he kind of was his first two appearances, but he's flipped the script. In his last three starts, 16 and two thirds innings, you would still like to see a little bit more there. That's still, you know, just above five innings a start, but 16 and two thirds with 16 strikeouts, just four earned runs and only five hits. That to me is impressive. Plus he does have nine walks. So you'd still like to see the walks come down. That's too many, but overall he has done what the reds have hoped he would do. I mean, that's this is a guy that came in with no expectations. They brought him in because they had all of these injuries and they really needed to not have two out of every five days be a bullpen day. That would just be silly. Although the bullpen has been good and we'll get to that here in just a minute, but Chase Anderson was brought in as the emergency emergency, you know, throw a dart, flip a coin. We have no idea what we're getting out of this guy, but we got to have somebody out there guy and he's actually been better than that. Uh, you know, when you've got expectations that low, it's kind of easy to deliver. It's why I always try to keep everybody's expectations low of myself. But when you're looking at chase Anderson, he is still prone to giving up the long ball, but it's always been his kind of career norm. He's always given up home runs in his career. It's just how many guys are on base when he does it, is he giving up multiple run homers? And if it's just solo shots, then, Hey, that's fine. Uh, the one thing that I will say in a word of caution, because I have been super impressed with him to the point that initially I was just like, "Ugh, Chase Anderson. And in fact, I've said this before on the podcast. Oh boy, Chase Anderson's pitching. Great. Here's another loss, but he's not been that bad. In fact, the numbers show that, you know, right where his ERA is, is probably where it should be, right around the 4.2, 4.5 range, which that's fine. That's a quality start every time out if he does throw six innings. But still, uh, you'll take that. Now, the one thing, though, and and I was saying this just a second ago, word of caution, he has a really low bat, like it's under 200. Like the batting average on balls in play that he is allowing is under the Mendoza line, which is not sustainable. However, he's probably gotten maybe what? two starts left in the season, maybe, maybe not even that with Graham Ashcraft coming back, they might put him in the bullpen. So, you know, it might not come back to bite him as much as if this were may, but still this were worth noting that some of the numbers that you see with him are a little bit bloated because of that super low BABIP, but I've loved what I've seen from him. And on the other side of the coin, I mentioned the bullpen. Did you know that for the entire season, we, we talk about the Reds' bullpen very, very poorly. And they haven't been great for the entire year. They rank 20th. But you know who we talk about that has an amazing bullpen? The Milwaukee Brewers. They haven't. In fact, the Reds ranked 20th in Major League Baseball for the entire year. The Brewers rank 18th. So it's not as if we're talking about miles difference. We're talking about almost the same bullpen now between the reds and the brewers. And that's a huge reason as to why they've lost the central to the Cardinals this year. And why they are clinging to playoff life is because their bullpen has been rough and they traded away Josh Hader at the deadline. Like they were on top of the central when they made that trade. I don't know if you remember this or not, but when they traded away their closer, their best pitcher in their bullpen, they were in first place. How's that worked out for them so far? That was a weird gamble. Don't think they had to take it. Although I had heard that it's a possibility they would have traded him in the offseason anyway, but I think they jumped the gun a little bit. So when I look at the reds bullpen, I'm not as disgusted, I guess is the word by their performance this season. And really they've been pretty good here recently since the all-star break. In fact, bigger sample size than chase Anderson, but since the all-star break, the Reds have the fourth best pin in baseball. Yes. What? Top five? Yeah. Top four. Number four in Major League Baseball and second in the National League only to the Dodgers. You might have heard of them. They have a payroll that has no limit. So yeah, the fact that this Reds bullpen has really rallied, I give a ton of credit to Derek Johnson because again, for the second straight year, the front office was just like, Here's a box of paper clips and a broken stapler and a couple of pieces of chewed gum. Uh, please make a winning bullpen out of this. And he's somehow done that. I mean, Alexis Diaz is the only guy you can rely on, on that bullpen from a night to night basis, but somehow this Reds bullpen has put together the fourth best squad since the all-star break now the way i was trying to dig into the numbers and figure out exactly why they're top 10 in ground ball rates so that's something they're not giving up a lot of fly balls in a great american ballpark that is always a good thing and the good news is on the fly balls that they do allow only eight percent of them have turned into home runs so and, and that's right around league average that's the kind of number that you're like All right. So what exactly does that mean? That means the fly balls that they have been giving up are more so of the variety of shallow fly balls in the outfield, maybe some pop-ups, things like that, not necessarily the gargantuan shots that you saw earlier this year. Now, the interesting thing about how good they've been, they've thrown the fourth most innings of any bullpen since the all-star break. They've thrown 220 innings, 220 and two thirds innings which puts them at fourth in baseball. So they've been used a lot, but they've actually kind of utilized well. Now they're still walking people at a rate that you would love to see, you know, almost get cut in half, but they're striking guys out and limiting the damage by allowing ground balls. So yes, this bullpen, I I think it's easy for us to say, you know, we see Hunter Strickland give up a two run home run and we say reds bullpen, here we go. Need to have a little bit of context on it. The bullpen's actually been all right this year. Uh, But when I really look at this, Chase Anderson, the bullpen, things like that, even the pitching that you're not expecting much out of has been good lately. Again, credit to Derek Johnson. You know, the Reds are uh, saying, excuse me, the Reds are sending a handful of interesting prospects to the Arizona Fall League, which include Noel Villamarte and Matt McLean. And on top of those, who are we talking about here and why is it important? Uh, we're going to talk about that coming up next, but first, uh, d- tonight, the Reds are underdogs against the Brewers as they come here to great American ballpark, at least scoring a bet online, they've got the Brewers favored. Brandon Woodruff is facing Hunter green. And tonight's game is kind of a case of what do you trust? Bet Online seems to trust Hunter Green's resurgent start in his last time out because the over under for this game is set at seven and a half runs. That's the kind of number. Seven to seven and a half is where you see two aces, uh, where you see the line set for two aces. Case in point, the other day, Bet Online had Max Scherzer against um, Corbin Burns' over under set at seven. So, they're giving a lot of respect to Hunter Green. However, they don't trust the Reds' five runs that they scored against the Red Sox last night because Bet Online has the Reds score over under at three and a half. And they have the over at plus 125, which means that's a value, which means, you know, normally the normal bet you would see, the normal VIG is what they call it, is minus 110. So, if you bet $10, you get $9.90. It's a way of the house still making money off of a bet even if you win however with plus 125 if the reds score four runs and you put 10 bucks on that you're getting 1250 for that win so they don't think it's going to happen they think that uh, brandon woodruff is going to limit this reds team I don't necessarily know that I feel one way or the other about anything about this game tonight because I love Hunter Green. Maybe look at his strikeout. I should have looked at his strikeout total to see what it was. I'd be interested in the over on that one just because Milwaukee's lineup has been prone to striking out this year. However, overall, the rest of this is kind of tough. And if you want to check out your next great bet, look over at betonline.net because betonline is where the game starts. Coming up tomorrow, Kyle Farmer. Let's call it what it is. I'll explain on tomorrow's pod. But I want to jump into our conversation with Tom Nichols. We look at the Arizona Fall League. A couple of guys who are going to the Fall League from the Reds who um, it's going to be interesting to watch what the Reds do with them. Tom Nichols explains.
2: Um, you know, sometimes you'll see a guy who's had an injury and, and they'll send him out there to just sort of catch up. McLean had an injury, missed what, maybe a month? So that's a, t- a chance to go out there and make up for that lost month. Um, some of those pitchers that are going out there, Roa, missed a bunch of time. Um, let's see, Tempinelli, a reliever, going out there. Um, again, reliever only threw about 40 innings, so doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his arm. Um, uh, Jake Gozo threw 100-mile-an-hour fastball for us, another guy who was about a 40-inning guy this year. Uh, Sam Benscooter uh, missed a bunch of time with an injury. And then there's Marte, who is the most interesting of all. Um, and I would, without knowing the real reason, I would speculate on this, Stephen, that the reason they're sending him is to try to get him some experience at a different position besides shortstop, mm-hmm. maybe third base. Um, and you can't have five shortstops on the field at once. I'm sorry. They just don't let you do that. You've got to at some point, start to get some of these guys some experience at another position. And Marte would be a guy that I would not be at all surprised. And, in fact, I'll almost predict this without having any insight that you'll start to see him see some, some experience at third base out in Arizona during this fall league. And that might be the reason that he was sent.
0: Yeah, that's something that I, I've i heard. Um, I know our Locked On Mariners guys talked about this before the trade. They, they see him, you know, he's got a good bat. They see that he's got a good presence there in the batter's box. But defensively, they didn't think he was going to stick at shortstop. They thought he probably profiled more as a second baseman or a third baseman. And, of course, the Reds do have a need there, and he could be a guy that would produce for them at third base here relatively soon, I would think. Is that kind of the impression that you got getting the chance to watch him after the trade
2: you know we we saw like two different players to be honest with you um the first one I wasn't that impressed with and mm-hmm. then at the last say two to three weeks it was a different guy on the field and maybe you know these guys aren't robots and that's one of the things I always like to remind people is you know they're human beings You get traded when you're 20 years old and everything you've proven to your organization up to that point is now just thrown out the window and you're with a new organization. You go in, you you want to impress your teammates, your coaches, you're starting from scratch. You've got nothing built up and he may have just put a little too much pressure at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then as he started to relax and let his skills take over, we started to see Better production and his I think his batting average, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but finished up, I think around 290, 293, uh, some power, not the tape measure power that we heard about from some scouting sources that would tell you that he had, um, I think there were people saying he had as good of pure power as anyone in the minor leagues. I never saw that. Um, mm-hmm. I saw home runs. If you want to ask me about pure power, we'll talk about Reese Hines and Austin Hendrick, guys who hit the ball right. close to 500 feet. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, but but that was not what we saw from Marte. And you don't have to be able to hit the ball 500 feet; it counts just as much if you hit it three feet over the wall as if you hit it right. 100 feet over the wall. So, um, you know, he's an infielder. He 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 he's got some speed. He's got he's got a lot of tools. The Reds at this point in time are looking for. Um, they're looking for for home run skills and they've been willing to trade off strikeouts. He's not a big strikeout guy, actually. In fact, he was the only player on our team this year that had any more than let's say 10 or 12 at bats that had more hits than strikeouts. He was the only guy on the club, including Dela Cruz. Dela Cruz had more strikeouts than hits. Um, The Reds, I think are going to probably, take a long look at their approach offensively in their, in their player development. I, I, I and a re- part of the reason I feel that way is I've had conversations with enough um, coaches and coordinators that want to get back to line drives and not worry as much about lift and, and uh, you know, launch angle and things that lead to a lot of strikeouts because you're not going up there with a level swing. So you've got to be perfectly on time to make contact because if, you're, if you've got a big uppercut swing, you've got to hit it perfectly on time, or you're going to be above the ball or below the ball when it crosses the plate. If you've got a level swing, obviously, you can be late, early, and you're still going to make some contact. And it seems like, I think now with guys like Dave Hansen, longtime big league hitting coach, they want to get back to some of that old school um, thinking in terms of hitting line drives to all fields as opposed to just trying to pull the ball out of the ballpark which led to, I mean, we finished this year, guys, with the, I believe, either the second or third highest strikeouts per game, not just in the minors this year, but in minor league baseball history. Now, that's a little deceiving because when you say that, really, it's, you're talking about the last two or three years because the strikeout numbers before about 2019, nobody compared to what they are now. So what you're saying is we've got, we had the highest strikeout number over the last two or three years. And we also broke the club record for most home runs in a season. So that was a big part of our, the way we, we scored was we had to get the home run ball. Okay. We, we broke the club record for home runs, led the league in home runs, led the league by a mile in strikeouts and, and led minor league baseball in strikeouts until the last day when we got rained out and somebody else didn't and, and passed us. But, uh, they want to get back, I believe, and wisely so to um, – you, you think back to the, the offense the Reds put on the field at the big league level in 2020. You remember that mm-hmm. team? Like the, batting, the team batting average, that was the, the COVID-shortened year. The team batting average that year was like 218 or something with a ton oh, of yeah. strikeouts, and I think Lance McAllister referred to it as a slow-pitch softball approach. That, that's not the way I think that you approach hitting. And you know what's going you know to the- gonna help
1: with that a little bit, Tom, I think, is that uh, not only are they going to go back to a traditional hitting style, like you're saying, level out the swings, try and make contact, but I think the fact that at the major league level, they're now going to ban the shift and allow for, you know, require traditional defensive placement of the fielders is going to let hitters feel more comfortable going back to a more traditional hitting approach because these lefties now, they don't stand a chance. If you come up to a, face a left-handed pitcher as a left-handed batter and take a traditional batting approach, you're going to be out because he's either going to strike you out or you're going to hit it to that guy playing short right field. So I love the, I love the fact that they're, they're going to do those two things in conjunction. And I think we're going to go back to seeing uh, a little bit more traditional baseball with the, with them expanding the size of the bases. I think we're going to see the running game come back. I think it's going to be a whole different kind of baseball next year. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, but I did want to hit on somebody you mentioned just a second ago because Jeff knows I've been chomping at the bit to bring this guy up and that is my dude Reese Hines and I love how the Reds have handled him uh, going all the way back to the end of last season and I bring this up because I hope uh, that as you as you say they're going to have to find a guy's new positions and I feel like they did it the right way with Reese Hines they didn't do it in the middle of a season they didn't do it you know, at a time where it seemed like they were painting a picture of him failing at a position or failing uh, to be able to stay healthy, quote unquote, at third base. What they did is when spring training got underway, they already had him working with dudes like Eric Davis and learning to become an outfielder. They made that decision. They went all in on it and they stuck with it. And I really think that that's the way they need to do these things, especially when you've got players who – In some cases have ego involved i've talked to a couple minor leaguers and you ask them about their position and you know some of them will tell you you know the cliche line of i just want to play wherever it helps the team and other guys will look you right in the eye and be like i'm a shortstop and so you have to be careful when you're moving guys around that you don't damage their psyche i guess because you know ball players are quirky right
0: what can we expect from reese hines and what are the reds doing to develop their hitters in the minor league and how has it changed over the last couple of years that's coming up right after this. First, I want to let you know that in between pods, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. If you can see that right here on YouTube, or if you're listening at home, also, you can check out, uh, Steve's Twitter at S often with two Fs, and you can follow the show at locked on reds. Also make sure that you are subscribed on YouTube. If this is your first time, thank you for watching and make sure you hit that bell to get notified when we go live and when we have a new premiere. All right, let's jump back into our conversation. We're going to look at Reese Hines and what hitting development looks like in the reds minor leagues.
1: All that being said, let's talk about Reese Hines for just a minute because he took over the new position. He went out there for the outfield for you guys. He didn't stay healthy the whole year, but he did make some strides. So talk about that guy a little bit and what you expect to see from him out in the Arizona Fall League.
2: Well, Reese is one of my favorites, um, and uh, he is nothing like the player I expected. I'll say that to begin with. You know, we we – we, get, we read these scouting reports, and, and, and uh, I'm a big fan of, of Baseball America. I, I've, I've subscribed to the magazine since before it was even called Baseball America. Back in the early 80s, it was known as, I think, All-America Baseball News, and it's, it's sort of evolved and become part of our game in the minor leagues. And you, but, but you read some of the scouting reports, and you sort of visualize what that guy must be. And in the case of Reese, what, the player I visualized, was nothing like the player that he actually turned out to be. I visualized this sort of um, kind of an Adam Dunn type player, a guy who hits the ball a mile because Reese does hit the ball a mile, um, but not very athletic, um, big, powerful, slow, no position defensively. um, And that's kind of what I visualized. And that wasn't true at all. Reese Hines is a great athlete. He's got very good speed. He's got a tremendous arm. He's big and fast and nothing like the player that I envision. Um, And he's got versatility. Um, You you read some of the stuff about Reese and you thought, well, he's never going to have a position. Well, I don't know why, because he's got athletic skills and he'll work hard to to learn the position he's in now, which is right field. He'll have one of the best arms in the game in right field. Um, He, unfortunately, he broke a bone in his hand this year. I think it was a freak injury you know you hope that that's he's had some injuries that have set him back some um, I don't think that there's any pattern I think that just been unlucky um, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing where he can go you know if you looked at I'm sure you did this Stephen looked at what he did when he moved up to Chattanooga I mean he had a great week he hit like over 300 with a couple of home runs never here, here here's the part of it that I think it gives you an indication of, of the player. And that is, where did they hit him in the order? And Jose Marino hit him fourth in the order because you put a guy, let's say you put a guy in the, the eighth spot. You're telling me that I don't think that guy, because the pitcher is going to pitch you a little differently in the eighth spot than he is in the fourth spot. He's not gonna, he, He's going to give you a lot more fastballs and, and, and Reese can hit a fastball. Um, he's going to have to gain more experience and improve on hitting a good slider. We, we faced a, a pitcher late in the season in Lansing, last series of the year. And um, this guy was as hard a thrower as we saw all season. He was, he was 99-101 to in the start against us in Lansing. And he started the game and he was throwing fastball after fastball to the first three hitters in the lineup, one after another. Hardly saw the breaking ball at all. I remember calling the game that day and Reese, who hit, I think Reese was hitting cleanup for us that day, steps up there to bat and he starts him off with a slider. I remember saying, first time we've seen him throw a slider, and the next pitch was another slider. He threw Reese four sliders in a row. The guy throwing 99 to 101 he threw Reese four sliders in a row and he struck him out. And I thought, okay, he's got a scouting report on Reese Hines. that says he's not going to be able to hit my slider. And that was true in that case. Um, So what Reese has got to do is he's going to have to be able to number one, recognize the slider, stop chasing the sliders out of the zone, get a better pitch to hit and and make some improvement against the, the secondary pitch. And and I, I, you know, he, Reese was very streaky with us. The month of May, he won the Reds Minor League uh, Player of the Month or Hitter of the Month. Is another They call it Player of the Month, but it's really Hitter of the Month. Um, mm-hmm. He won that for the entire Reds Minor League system in the month of May. Um, had some other months that didn't go as well. Wound up hitting around 240. Um, he played about half the season, hit about 10 home runs. I think he had exactly 10 home runs. Um, again, speedy, athletic. Moves well, great arm, great attitude, good kid. All the things you look for, he's got to cut down on the strikeouts. Maybe he'll change his approach a little bit.
0: Kind of sounds like you're describing Jay Bruce there a little bit with the whole streakiness and trouble with the breaking ball and things like that. I'm looking forward to seeing how he develops because I'm with the Steve. I really liked getting the chance to talk to him before the season started last year and, he just—he seems like a dude that really loves the game and, and has a good head on his shoulders as well. So I'm I'm excited to see how he develops in that regard. Another guy who's going to Arizona, and he didn't get a chance to see a lot of him this year because he pretty much played the entire year in Chattanooga, is Matt McLean. And he's a guy that his numbers in Dayton were a little bit different from his numbers in Chattanooga. Maybe did uh, struggle a little bit more with double-A pitching, but also changed his hitting approach and, and probably had something to do with, with the more all or nothing attitude to hitting development of the Reds uh, minor league system. But what do you expect from Matt McClain? Because he, he seemed to still have the, the walk rate. So he recognizes pitches better, but I think he was selling out for more power because he saw a lower average and a higher strikeout rate. Is that something that do you think that he's going to amend as the Reds amend their hitting approach?
2: Well, Jeff, it's a little hard for me, honestly, to, to say too much about a guy that I didn't see play this year um, and uh, really didn't have an opportunity to talk to coaches about him um, and and what was going well, what was not going well. I did see him obviously in 2021, uh, liked him a lot. Um, He he, uh, liked his attitude, his approach to the game. Um, And, you know, you could very well be right on the money with with the with the sort of theory you just threw out there and I think it is important to note and uh, some people would be probably happy to hear me say this and some others would say you're you're off target there, but you know there's nothing wrong with the idea of you know when you try to be progressive and 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 you know learn and, and, and incorporate new ideas. There's nothing wrong with the idea of of stepping back at some point and saying, you know what? That wasn't right. So we're going to go back to what we were doing before and maybe take a little bit of this back with us or part of this back with us. We're not going to go completely away from what we were doing before. You know, it's like when a new automobile model is introduced, after some period of time, they figure out there's a few things that need fixed you know, when you, when you totally change your approach and, um, and I'm talking organizational approach and uh, you may at some point say, you know what, we maybe went too far with that. And I know i talked to a lot of the coaches this year, the coaches were preaching all the things that I wanted to hear to the players. And that was, you know, shorten your swing with two strikes, hit the ball to all fields, make more contact. Um, but the players were still thinking a lot of the things that they'd been taught the year before with a different hitting coordinator. Mm -hmm. And that was emphasis on some of the things that had been brought into the game, such as, you know, lifting the ball, um, uh, you know, just launch angle. um, And and not to say that the Reds are going to get completely away from that, but I think maybe there's nothing wrong with realizing we thought we were going to be progressive on this, but we realized that that we just went too far with it and go, go back take a step backwards again. And and hopefully that's going to happen. Maybe that's with McLean, um, some of what you're talking about. There's no reason he should be hitting 230 with a bunch of strikeouts. That's not the kind of hitter I think he would even say he, he, he ever envisioned himself being. So he's going to have to go back to, hit the ball where it's pitched, hit the ball through the middle, hard line drive, and, and I can't say that he didn't do that this year because I don't want to step out of bounds and, and pretend like I know exactly what's wrong with him when I didn't see him play this year. I saw him in Dayton in 2021. He was a good player out of UCLA, and, and I, I think they'll – I've got a lot of confidence in the people that they have now to work with him going forward, and um, I think they'll get him going, and he'll be a, a big leaguer not too far down the road. Maybe might be you know, a not couple, sure
1: what position. Well, that's just what I was going to ask you. You know, a couple <laughs> things about him. A couple things about what you just said. Number one, you sound an awful lot like Chris Welsh right now because he and I had a, a extended conversation about the philosophies within the system. And he basically said the same thing you just said, which was, you know, there may have been a, an instance of overshooting the mark and incorporating the new way uh, without bringing along some of the old way. And he felt like when they reorganized after they reorganized, that was a course correction, Uh, basically kind of what you just said. So, you know, it's very interesting now to hear that from multiple places. And it's, it's, you know, I agree with it when Chris said it to me, and I agree with it with when you're saying it to me, uh, that I think that's exactly what happened.
0: Really appreciate getting the chance to talk with Tom Nichols. We actually have a little bit more that's coming up tomorrow as we dive into some other prospects, some guys that he got the chance to watch this season and some guys who impressed him, but that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss anything that we've got coming for you as the season winds down and as the off season ramps up. Going to be interesting to see how the Reds approach this offseason. A lot more on that is coming right here on Locked On Reds. And thanks for making us your first listen. Now, check out Locked On MLB. As Paul Francis Sullivan has you covered on the biggest news and goings on around Major League Baseball, he likes to inject a little bit of his own personality and humor into each and every story. You're not going to want to miss that. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Uh, We are going to be locked on Reds every single day, so make sure you keep it right here with us.